Revelation chapter 1, it says, tell it to Jesus. He can do something about it. Why talk to people who can't do a thing about your problem? Hey, they can't help you except panic you more. We can talk to Jesus. He's a friend well known. There is no other like Jesus Christ. I said, there is no other like him. I hope this church believes that. <laughs> I hope you guys believe that. You seem to wonder if you do. But I do believe there's no one like Jesus. Nobody. Search all over. I found no one like Jesus. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and the firstborn of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. By the way, firstborn of the dead means he first is resurrected. Then will come the dead saints at the rapture. Amen. After that come a second resurrection, which you don't want to be a part of. And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. If I was to ask every one of you tonight, what is your destiny and what's your occupation you say i'm a welder i'm a physician i'm a dentist but that's not what christians are would you believe it if you got a mirror take it out right now look at yourself if you're a christian god said you are a king and a priest maybe not to canada or the world but to him now, it didn't excite you. <laughs> I noticed that. You just looked at me with a dull, blank, thud look because you like understanding what it really means. You know, Prince Charles, son, when he was small, didn't know he was a prince. He grows up. The whole world is, is bowing to him. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about our great high priest. We don't talk a lot about him, if any at all about him, and I know if I don't know if any of you know anything about him, but how many of you know Jesus Christ as our great high priest? The great high priest. In other words, you got the priesthood, then you got the high priest, and then you got the greatest of all, the high priest. He's way higher than all the rest. Amen. I want to talk about him tonight. You do not, as a Christian, want to go through life without a high priest in your corner. You're going to have trials. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have problems. You're going to have heartaches. You're going to have sickness. You're going to have disease. You're going to have all kind of situation that happens to the world, but you don't want to go through life without a high priest in your corner. I promise you, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make decisions that will haunt you for the rest of your life. Uh, unless you're a high priest, that is. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we need to know more about this great 
high priest. Amen. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse 6, the Bible talked to us about the nation of Israel. Now, the longer I live, the more I understand the Bible better and clearer, and I'm sure I don't know all about it, but I know some of it. And the Old Testament really is prophetic. It's actually <laughs> revealing the future from the beginning. God is declaring the future from the beginning, and God is using object lessons. For example, the wars today between the nations of the Middle East and the rest of the world, most guys don't know that that's Sarah and Hagar fighting. Most guys don't know that's Ishmael and, and Isaac battling for the promise of Abraham. And they're both claiming Abraham. And it don't make sense to them. But to me, it makes a lot of sense. And I could talk a lot more about that. But tonight is not the night for that. But that's what it means. Amen. And, and the wars and the situations that fight that fought. And we see something in the Bible, which I'm going to talk to you a little bit about right now. And I don't want to go in great detail. But in the 14th chapter of Genesis, there's a war. And you don't know this, but it's, this are, and, and if you understand the meaning of it, it reveals exactly what's happening today. Five kings fighting four kings in the veil of the salt sea, the Dead Sea. I've been to the Dead Sea. I got Dead Sea salt in my office right there, over there. If you don't believe it, I can bring it you look at it. And if you lay on that water, it just, you just float. You just never sink. And it talk about minerals, and there's a lot said about that place. But the 14th chapter, talk about those the kings that fought. And all that is, is east versus south fighting. And uh, you'll hear more about it. But the important thing is, after Abraham went and fought the winner of that battle, the Bible says he brought Lot back from captivity and began to go home. And a man, a strange man, met him on the highway. In the chapter 7 of the book of Hebrews, it's called King Melchizedek, of whom Paul says, I want to talk to you a lot about him, you Corinthians and Hebrews, but you're not spiritually ready for what I'm going to tell you about him. So he didn't talk much about him. But he says, he was made like unto the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And we will refer to him tonight who this guy is. Now, in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, God called Israel, I want to make you a kingdom of priests and kings to me. These are slaves that God is talking about, <laughs> who he brought out of Egypt. And now they're in the wilderness. He said, I want to make you a bunch of priests and kings to me. And then in chapter 2 and verse 9 of 1 Peter, we in the church today are called a chosen generation. We are a chosen nation. Notice, a royal priesthood. Can you believe the person beside you is royalty, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation. The church is a nation, a peculiar people. And so we are brought in this relationship that we should show forth his praise who called us out of Egypt, out of darkness, into his marvelous light. Now, you know what happens when you get into the light. Darkness flee and the light shines. 
We're going to talk more about that than Revelation 1 and 6 says. Unto him that made us kings and priests unto God. When a person walks out on Jesus Christ, they have no idea what they're giving up. Every Christian is a fellow citizen of a holy kingdom. There is a king, and he told us very clearly, my kingdom is not of this present world. But everybody on the pew belongs to a kingship and priesthood. And because the men of the earth don't naturally see that legacy, he has no interest in it. He doesn't desire it. He desires little trinkets. Well, every day in the news I hear these pop stars are dying. You know, they're leaving their money behind, their fame. And they give them about five minutes on the news report and they're forgotten. But there's a people that will live forever, <coughs> a kingdom of priests that are holy unto God. We want to talk about them. And then it says in Isaiah 61 and verse 6, put on the board, please. So God made us. You didn't make yourself. God's making us kings and priests. God told us in prophecy that we shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you ministers of God. Ye shall eat all the riches of the Gentiles, etc., etc. Now, I know I'm standing up here, but that does not make me superior to you. I don't have nothing more than you have. All I have, all I have here, standing here, is a representation of an invisible God. But we both are baptized into one spirit, one faith, one baptism. And sometimes saints think I can pray and get more power from God than they can. Hogwash. Foolishness. One Holy Ghost. One power. One name. One God. Who's the same God in you and in me. Hello. Amen. But God choose leadership. And we're going to talk about this great leadership here. Now, Brother Matt, do me a favor, please. Get my chart in there for me, please. I'm going to walk you through my chart that I've, I've drawn up. But Christ, to us, is the power of God. I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews right now, book of Hebrews. Find it, the epistles. And find also the book of Leviticus. And I'm going to give you a school lesson today that you know Leviticus is explained, put it there, please, is explained very thoroughly by the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. The whole purpose of the book of Hebrews is to give you the sum total benefits of what the book of Leviticus is saying to you. Now, you read the book of Leviticus, and I know what you're going to do. You're going to put it down and say, this is a meat market. <laughs> and you won't go too far because you won't understand all the repetitious requirements. And there were over 700 plus requirements in that thing. And those Israelites and priests had to memorize it and know what's required of them. Otherwise, they could get in trouble with God. But what the book of Hebrews is telling you, I'm going to tell you in a nutshell here. And I'm going to grave detail. I want to focus mainly on the man, Christ Jesus. Everything in the book of Leviticus is about one man, Aaron. Aaron is a great high priest. And if you don't have a high priest in your life, I feel sorry for you. Because who's going to bear the problems with you? 
Where are you going to go for refuge when you got trouble? Who are you going to talk to? Who's going to have compassion on you when you make a mistake? When you make decisions that are wrong and cause you grief? Who are you going to turn to? When you have infirmities and you're hurting and your mom can't up and your wife and your kids can't up and the government can't up, who are you going to call on? Well, the book of Leviticus is a book that talks about redeeming love, redeeming power. You see, every one of us are exposed to the law. Even the sinner guy, we don't even know it. If everybody kept the Ten Commandments, there'd be no mass killing in Europe. There'd be no mass killing in the States. Because part of the law says, thou shall not kill. Period. No explanation. Just don't kill. People are killing today. People are murdering, right? People are committing adultery and fornication and all this stuff. Because they throw the Ten Commandments out. So everybody in our world are judged by the Ten Commandments, whether we know it or not. And as long as we're judged by it, we're either violators or we're, you know, we, uh, we uh, obey those laws. But the book of Hebrews telling you, Jesus Christ is your high priest. In other words, he's your Aaron. He is actually Melchizedek. Chapter 7, the Hebrews, so plainly laid out what, he's, what it means to be Melchizedek. So the book of Hebrews explained Leviticus and show you the fulfillment of this one man. So Jesus Christ is not just our God, but he's also a high priest. If I make a mistake, I can go to him and talk to him about it. Not as God, but as my high priest. If I'm out of the way, I can expect him to bring me back. If I'm in problem with God, I expect him to make intercession for me as mediator. And so, what we find in Leviticus, the book you're holding your hand, is the insufficiency of that program. Now, you can't find fault with it, only God can. God alone is qualified to find fault with that book. And the only fault you find with it is, he said, once I forgave you, I don't expect to talk to you about it again next week. But in the Old Testament, once you're forgiven today, next year he reminds you, you, did, you messed up last year. And you messed up last year. You messed up last year. And it keeps happening, happening, happening. But when Christ comes with a new program, when he forgives you once, it's forgotten. Forever. Never to be brought against you. So Leviticus is explained by the book of Hebrews, and it's applied to us, and you're enjoying it and don't even know it. All right? For example, when you come to this altar to pray, or even the pews, there are five things happening in one of our lives. We're either enjoying what is called a burnt offering, which I'll explain later what that means, or we're experiencing in his presence uh, a meal offering. We're experiencing a peace offering. We're experiencing, hallelujah, you know, a, a sin offering or a trespass offering. And the first five chapters of Leviticus tell you exactly what those are and how they're applied to every person and they give you in, in terms of categories of requirements. 
but you don't realize that. But yet Jesus Christ, who knows the scripture, knows what you have need of. Some folks come to today to church right now, and you have no problem. All you have is just thanksgiving. Some of you come to thank God for the peace that you have with them. And you want to fellowship with them with, with breaking of bread. And some of you, you've sinned against God, and you want forgiveness. And some of you, you have trespassed against your neighbor or your family, and you've caused them grief and hurt and harm, and you've sinned. And that's called trespass offering. And you need to deal with that to God. That's why to pray. But you come to God to prayer, you worship, you praise him, and you confess your failures. You confess your mistakes. Now, it's the high priest that deals with those situations. God will not get his hands dirty. God is holy. God, don't get dirty with all those stuff. Now, you say, Pastor, are there two different persons, two different offices, different role and responsibility? And so... What Aaron ministry could not do, Jesus on the cross accomplished. And Jesus accomplished for us a better sacrifice once and for all. A better blood offered for atonement. Made a better covenant between God and you. Gave you better promises that are established on better ordinances. God give you a better altar that will get the job done. When you leave this church tonight, you must leave with answers. If you don't, something is wrong. But you don't come in God's presence and leave without, with an answer. God wants to answer my problem and your problem through the, the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Now, I know Catholicism and the Mormons try to imitate that, but they can't do it. It's not impossible for them to do it. A better testament that means an inheritance that comes with being a Christian. So God made a, give us a better testament than the one they had. A better priesthood, meaning it's, it's a big word, efficacious. Meaning it's able to produce the results it promised. Efficacy. A better hope. Better promises. And better offering. You're going to find later on, in Hebrews, it's telling you, that no longer do you and I need animal sacrifices. Now we have Christ on the cross. Amen. You don't need to have a veil to go behind to see God. That veil is already broken from the top down. It's wide open. Anybody who's a child of God can go in and approach God, which they could not do in the Old Testament. Then there's the ark of God, which is the presence of God, and it there's a mercy seat there, a seat on top of the ark where God actually covers law. The high priest's job is not to condemn you. The high priest's job is that an advocate. He is your lawyer. He's your guy that deals with the prosecutor. The devil is your prosecutor. He accuses you night and day. And Jesus is the one that, you know, deal with him. <laughs> Amen. And then God gave you the priesthood, a body of people that make supplication, that means request for you. In heaven, God give you somebody who make intercession, pleading for you, and you don't know how to pray for your own problem, and you can't solve them. He takes over and make intercession for you before God. 
And then Jesus Christ also give thanks on your behalf. So God, for Christ's sake, will show you favor without merit. Not that you merit what he's going to do for you. In other words, you can't clean yourself up for God to receive you. The gift and calling of God will be without any repentance. God didn't call Paul when he was repenting. Paul was a terrorist. He was killing people. But God called him. And God chose him when he was a rebel. Now, what may be a rebel to you may be an apostle to God. Because the high priest looked beyond your faults and see your needs. It's like a mother taking care of a newborn babe who just messed the diapers up. Said, oh, my cute little baby. No, that's a little stinker. <laughs> and does it not once, but twice and many more times. And then mom washed that thing and kissed that stuff and loved that stuff. That's what the high priest does. You mess yourself up, and he just keep loving you and powdering you and washing you and acting like you're okay. <laughs> That's what the high priest does. That's who he is. You know, his job is not to condemn. He does not have a condemning ministry. He does not have a ministry that finds fault. He can't bring fault against you because that's not his job. At no time with the high priest Jesus said, you wretch, go to hell. <laughs> He won't say that. He's always trying to reconcile him. He may not succeed, but he's going to keep on trying. Keep on trying to bring you. And so he's a better person. So through Jesus Christ, here's some big words, we get the message of reconciliation. For example, I, I, I do mediation. You know, I, I, I deal with people who have conflict of, conflict of issues. And they pay me to do that. I mean, why not? I'm trained to do it. Okay? So they got these conflict, and they, and they come with hostility, and they're fighting each other. But by the time I'm done, uh, they're not fighting each other. Because what happened? The goal of the mediator is reconciliation. To bring back into harmony that which are at odds. You know, people come to God to escalate, but God de-escalates. You know, God put the fire out. They found the flame. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, and so these things happen. Now, so we see God bring to us reconciliation or the message of reunification. How can two walk together except they agree? Well, the only way God and I are going to walk together if there's Jesus Christ between us. Right? You know, we're trying to punch each other. Our hands can't reach because between us is Jesus Christ, right? And he's holding us apart. So Jesus brings to us reunification. He breaks down walls, walls that keep us against each other. He removes partition that separate us and make us become aggressors towards each other. Jesus is in the healing business. Jesus' purpose is to heal the hurts. The more hurt you have, the more aggression you have. The more aggression you have, the more paranoid, schizoid, and paranoid, and a whole lot more. I could tell you in psychology what you are. 
But God, God, amen, is there to heal. And so he come preaching what? Restoration. Restoration. For example, if the government take your kids away from you, they don't want to give your kids back. Well, your effort is to bring reconciliation, reunification, restoration of the kid and the parent back together. Otherwise, they're going to be you know, a dichotomy. They go apart, and they never come together. So the purpose of Jesus Christ as high priest is restoration by redemption. I'm going to buy back fellowship. I'm going to bring you back into harmony. I'm going to bring you back into one. You know, Israel and uh, jealousy between Israel, Judah, and Ephraim became two different people. They fought like dogs. But God raised up Ezekiel says, that's going to stop right now. And God took two sticks and do this. Amen. You know, it's like marriage. You know, you know what marriage is for? I was telling them in, in Georgia. I was in Georgia. We were preaching and teaching to some couples there. And there's some doctors, you know, in marriage seminar. They were doing a beautiful seminar they had there. And uh, we said, you know, what, what marriage is for? Marriage is for, number one, procreation. Number two, marriage is for recreation. <laughs> and marriage is for communication. Communion and union. Not just sex. All sex is recreation. But that don't last. Little boy, waist got pretty weak after a while. <laughs> Amen. And God told, thank you, Sister Neil. Her eyes are looking at me. <laughs> so I'm going to back off. I'm being vetoed. <laughs> and so, you know, God, God want to bring us into one. Hello? So, uh, God wants to learn some things here. I'm going to show you some things on this board. Now, now, folks, I cannot do this thing justice as I should. And I pray, may the God of Israel help you to understand. How many can see that? I want you to think Jesus. Jesus is, Jesus is the bride of the church. It's amazing. <laughs> He's the high priest. He's the bridegroom. He's everything. He's out as a bridegroom. And, uh, <laughs> all right. All right, look at this chart right here. Egypt is where Israel was. That's where we are in the world of sin. And God sent Moses to bring her out. Well, they could not come out if the Passover lamb was not slain. If the lamb was not slain, they could not get out. It was blood and water. What? Blood and water. And hyssop. And anybody who had that blood on their home survived the death angel. When you have Jesus in your life as the high priest,
You're passed from death to life. The second death has no power over you. He brought them out and said, from now on, I want you to keep the Passover. They come to the Red Sea, and they couldn't cross. They cried to God, not realizing all the time the high priest is in heaven taking care of them. They don't realize that. They don't know that. How should they know? Somebody teach them. They're just a mob here. And when they come to the Red Sea, God told Moses, part the waves. He part the water. And, the, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, what it mean? Paul said they were baptized in the what? Red Sea. And they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them. In every instance, Jesus Christ was being depicted as a high priest. I'm trying to tell you, you don't want to go through your wilderness without Jesus. You need that high priest. You need somebody in your life that you can go to. Go to. You're going to run out of solution, my friend. You're going to run out of money. You're going to run out of help. And your help comes from the Lord. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. I'm telling you, friend, you're going to need a high priest in your life. Okay? And so when they're in the wilderness, they had problems, they had situations and challenges. But the high priest always took care of them. Read Psalm 78, how God took care of them. Now, they come to Mount Sinai, and finally, God gave them the law. Nobody likes law. I don't love law. I broke every law. I was as a kid. I got more whipped than anybody else did. At one time, I thought I was the U.S. flag, stripes and spangles. <laughs> and my friend, in my, in, in my days when they whipped me, if they had cops around those days, they tried my child abuse because I was abused. I was abused by parents who whipped me so hard. But it did work. It drove the devil out of me. <laughs> and brought Jesus into me. <laughs> Amen. It's true. I'd be in jail or under the gallows or starting my grave. Thank God for those whiplashes. All right? So God gave Ten Commandments. Nobody kept the Ten Commandments. Nobody. Not even Israel. And God says, you know what? If you don't keep it, I don't want to see you. Get out of here. Because the high priest is very holy. Very holy. And nothing unclean can come to him. So if I can't go to God, and he won't come to me, either I make my own God, or you find a way to come down to me. I can go to him. So God said, okay, Moses, Israel said they don't want to talk to me, and I don't want to talk to them because they're sinful. So you know what I'll do? They're breaking my laws. Let's build me a tabernacle. I'm going to go among the family and pick out somebody to represent me. And Moses, I don't want you to be that person right now. You're, you're almost a leader. You're everything to them. But I want another ministry called the high priest. And he picked out the tribe of Levi. Now, Levi were cruel people. It's amazing how you can be terrible and bad and wretched and God make you a preacher. Maybe most preachers were con men. Who knows? <laughs> I sure wasn't. <laughs> but maybe others were. <laughs> but God chose men for being apostles. I mean, Simon the Zealotee was a terrorist. And God had him into apostleship. Hello? So God can use anybody, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. You're not so stiff that God can't make you eat grass like an ox. 
You may be proud, but God can bring you low and make you wet your pants in public. We laugh at you. God can do all those things. So we learn to humble ourselves. So God said, okay, I'll be in the tabernacle and I want the Aaronic priesthood. And since all of Israel, who I call kings and priests, cannot come in my presence the way they are because they're a bunch of mob, they're sinful, and I don't want to kill them all. So here's what I want you to do. I want these people to represent them. Just like a lawyer represent me in court. I don't need to go to court because the lawyer is me. When he speaks, I speak. He speaks on my behalf. And represent me, and the judge talking to him, and the judge may say, give him 10 years. He's not giving the lawyer 10 years. He's giving me 10 years, <laughs> right? You're going to tell me the judge gave me 10 years, but hopefully it never happened to us. All right? All right. So here it is. We're going to look into this right now. So Leviticus is a shadow of the Hebrew epistles to be fulfilled, which we know has been fulfilled. Every Christian is a royal priesthood. You're in that royal priesthood. You're royalty. I can't wait to see you 10 years from now when God take you off this earth and put you in heaven. I'm going to look you up. I say, what do you think? How does it look now? Oh, Pastor Dean, I'm a king. Blah. You didn't believe down there when I told you that. <laughs> look at my throne. I'm taking for a walk. <laughs> it's going to happen. Our great high priest. Here's the holy God. Really? Which is our great high priest. But you don't know him as that. Unless he teaches you that. Here is man. Sinful Adamic people. All of us are Adam's kids. We were Adam's kids until he got saved. And we try to get to God and God said, no way. You can't come to me. And so what happened this Ten Commandments stopped me from getting to God because my sins that I broke here separate me from God. I can't get to him. Well, how do I get to him then? How can I get to God? I need him. He won't come to me. He said, your sins separate you from God. And I know that. I don't want to see me because I'm scared to death of him. So he said, okay, I'll give you Ark of the Covenant, right, which represent him. And the only person who can approach me on your behalf will be a person I call the great high priest. Hello? And this high priest has this garment, this beautiful garment. We read the book of Exodus. And what's amazing was everything in that church was donated to God by the people. God took from Egypt the gold, the silver, the brass, whatever they had, Gave it to Israel and later on asked Israel back for it. Why? Because the reason why I gave it in the first place was to give it to him. So he may make a church out of it. All right? So all this garment here came from the giving of gifts of the people to the Lord. And God gave women in the church wisdom, gave men in the church wisdom to build the thing Moses saw in the cloud. So they were anointed for the job they were doing. You may not realize that God recognized every work you do in this house. It's no different from working in the temple or the tabernacle. Some folks never work for God. Some do. Well, I'd rather work for God. So the, these beautiful colors, I want to go into it right now. There were eight pieces of garment that God gave this high priest. And he was over the entire tribe of Levi. 
and they are taken from among the people and said, you are God's priest. You will not go to a secular work. You will not do this. You work for God only to the day you die. The only work you're going to do is working for God. Nothing else. If you do, I'll slay you. All right? So here they are. And this is the, this is the garment you'll see in the Bible. Now, the mercy seat, only once in a year can this man come to this furniture, which represent God, because God is hiding himself from the people. Now, here's a picture of it right here. This picture you're looking at here is the same as this one right here. Can you see that? The picture? We have time to take a look at it. The tabernacle. That's how it would look. If you are an outsider, you wouldn't recognize the importance of it. Look at it. The tribes, all the tribes, Zebulun, Hissachar on this side, and Judah in the east, and this west. Here's Simeon and Reuben and Gad. And here's Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. Here's Naphtali, and they camp around. In other words, you are supposed to build your home around the church. Thank you for the amens. You don't build a church around your home. You build your home around the church. And you'll see why in a minute here. Okay? And so I'm showing you here the same thing here, this picture. When I was a new convert, I wanted to know this so bad. So I'm giving you a chance. If you want to really know it, you can know it. But all these are operative in the church right now as I'm speaking to you. But you just don't make the connection because your spiritual knowledge or your spiritual training or discerning, you can't put the two and two together to use just words you're reading. But they're applications, and there's somebody called the great high priest in this service right now to meet every spiritual need or every problem we have, every forgiveness I need, any disease I have to minister to us. That great high priest is here tonight. He's invisible. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. Now, what I'm showing you here, over here, it's called the, uh, the outer court, meaning everybody, because of the height of it, if I stand beside like this, it's taller than me. So it means we've all come short of the glory of God. You could not see the glory down in there because you're too short, and you wouldn't see it. Only we can see the glory of God you got to come through this gate, right, and be in there to see it in there. And you, you don't come in there unless you're invited or you have sins. Now, here's what happened. When a, when a person has problems and sins, they make mistakes, and they transgress God, God, law would kill them, demand their death. They should die. But the high priest is the interceptor. He stepped around and said, just a minute, just a minute, I will deal with that. And he steps up, and he meets you at the gate. He meets you at the gate and said, here's what God wants you to bring. They bring different sacrifice, animals and different gifts, but you can't take it to God. You can't be your own priest. God will reject you. You get killed like Saul did. Okay? You have to give it to these representations that represent you. And they offer on your behalf a blood sacrifice here of different sorts. And they wash that sacrifice. And they took the blood 
inside the holy place, and they go through a bunch of rituals, and then they sprinkle the blood there, and God will forgive you. So if I see you coming towards this building with a donkey, I know you're not going to offer a sacrifice. <laughs> you're going the wrong way. You got a pig, God's going to kill you for sure before you get to the gate. You got a lamb or, or an ox or whatever. There's a sin you've committed, and they know what the sins are, and the priests know what they are. So the first thing they see, the gate. When Jesus says, I am the way, it means right here. There's no other way. There's no other entrance in this place. So you come through this gate, and the first thing they see, the priest, all this is priesthood operating for you and me. The first thing happened here, they slay a sacrifice on our behalf, on a brazen altar. Then there's a washing that takes place of the sacrifice. Then it takes through the door. And remember now, Jesus says, I'm the door. Hello. And then he's the bread of life. He's out of the world. He's the table of incense. He's the one that makes the sacrifice for us. And there's a veil right here. And we're going to come through the veil. And what you're doing here, over here is sinful, and here is perfection. Let us go on to perfection. The Bible tells that in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Let's, go, let's leave the principle of these and go on to what? Perfection. I mean, let's, let's get back here and live back here for a while and be like Jesus said. Every new convert, the first place they come is right here. First here, then here, then here. And here, and I'll show you later on, and they become participants of these events. Now, all this, the book of Hebrews, explain them in detail. Their significance. So when, it, when you come to pray at this altar, or you're praying at home, wherever you are praying, this is in force. You can't get to the Father except by me. No man come to God except by me. I am the way. I am the door. I am the veil. You can't get back here with it except through Jesus. So all this represents Jesus Christ. One man. No one imagery or shadows could represent him. So many things have to show him. So come unto me, all ye that labor and every laden, I'll give you rest. So on the cross, can you believe this one cross? This man that was born in, the, in a manger, lived for 30 years, ministered for three and a half years, on the cross for three hours, and died and went to heaven, accomplished all this in that short time. In, three, in less than three hours, he accomplished everything Moses and the rest couldn't do for 3,500 years. <laughs> in three hours, he finished it. That's amazing. That's amazing. When he says finish, that means all this is done. I've done it all. Praise God. We were in uh, one of those countries, in China, one of those, those guys praying up with the incense, and my heart cried for them. I was in a store last week. I see this Muslim calling the bees, and he's walking, the look on his face. Will he get an answer? Mm -mm. It's just a a useless exercise. Nothing going to happen. Except you, except you come this way. There's no other way. There is no other way. And I tell you, they find out pretty quick. As soon as they die, they realize they missed the mark. So here's the glory of God behind this veil. 
So Jesus Christ is taking you and me behind the veil. So I said, when I come where I am, there you may be also. You know why you're not there? Because they didn't want you there. <laughs> God kicked us out of the Garden of Eden. But I want you there. But we're going to take you back there. Jesus Christ. Now, look at this side of the picture right here. On this side of the picture here, I'm showing the same tabernacle. And you see the red, the red movement of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's doing it not for himself. He's sinless. He has no sin. He has no problem. So what on earth is he doing? Well, if you were the... Sister Nina, come here. Sister Nina, come here. If you were the high priest and you sinned, you come and you just lay your sins on him and say, Sorry, high priest, I've sinned. It's down to you. I put all my sins on him. The whole two and a half million people put their sins on this one man. Well, he can't handle it. You know what he does? He calls for a cow or a goat or a sheep. And he touches that. So he's transferring his sins from one to the other. Because if they die, they can't come back. And the goat dies, can't come back, so it's gone. So what happened now, they, thank you, Janine, they would lay their hands on the sacrifice at the door and burn it right here. It was like me dying for my sins. But something else is dying for me. The innocent is dying for the guilty. Okay? So when Jesus came to us, I want you to imagine this picture here being on the inside. Jesus, which is God, came out of heaven, came from behind the veil. Are you with me? He prayed. He come all the way down. I'm showing you this way. He come all the way down through here and come out and go right to Calvary. Can you see that? Come on, we can see that. We come to him through the gate. He come to us from the heavenly. He's coming this way, and we're going up that way. At some point, we meet, and we transfer. He transferred to me his divine nature, and I transferred to my human carnal nature. And so he suffered on my behalf, and I merit his glorification with, without any work or effort. So when the Bible says you're saved not by works of righteousness, in other words, it meant you didn't have to do anything the Levitical priest would ask for. You simply have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see why later on. And if you believe, then everything you did here, you can say, sorry, it's paid for in full. Who paid for it? Jesus. It's covered. Who did it? Jesus. When was it done? On the cross. Can't touch me. I'm covered, right? And he jumped forward, and a bill well paid, no debt owed. Amen. So he paid a debt he did not owe, because you owe a debt you could not pay. So the high priest is the only one qualified to go in the presence of God. And so, come here, Zachary. This is a really beautiful picture. David, and come here, please. 
Put on thy shoes because it's holy ground. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> but David did something with his men, 300 men that were hungry, and they went and they, and they eat the hallowed bread. The priest says, it's not lawful. You can't do that. But David says, they are with me. I'm the king. But David also wore an ephod, which is a priesthood. He's the only king in the Bible allowed to wear an ephod as a king. Nobody else can. They die. So as long as they were with David, they were qualified to do what they did because his presence covered them. You understand that? So, thank you. So, what happened here, here it is. Jesus Christ is born, his glorification. He come to us through the veil, come past the holy place, come into our world, and the first thing he did, he got baptized. And the last thing he did, got crucified. Where? Outside the camp. He died. He said, now the gate is open. When he died on the cross, after three hours, the veil got rented. Meaning anybody can go through there now. When he rent that veil, meaning now you as the sinner, hello, from the outside world, can come through the same gate, to the same altar, to the same water baptism he came through, to the same door, and now partake of the bread, become part of the light, experience the incense, Go through the veil and go right up there and become a saint. A beautiful high priest. And Jesus Christ in the midst of the earth working out salvation for his people. Clap your hand to the Lord. Jesus. So what happened then? When a person comes in the church, they're doing exactly this. He has to meet every one of them with this operation here. That's why we say, we now, because of your faith in Jesus and your prayer of your sins, we now baptize you in the name of, you're baptizing into him. Amen. You're way back here. You're going through the Red Sea. He's your lamb, slain, and he's the one going to take you through the, back to the cloud and the water and to give you the law. He's the law, right? He's the law. I'm going to write my laws in your what? So what he does right here, I don't have a pen here, but, but he, he, he does this. Okay. Put my laws in your heart. So today, you don't need from Pastor Neil a book of rules to how to live for God. He wrote his commandments on your heart. As long as you listen to him, you don't need me to track you down and see if you're doing right or wrong, because I'm, I'm not there to prosecute you. Your conscience talk to you if it's alive. So here we are at the altar because of Jesus. It's mortification. Crucify the body. Stop it from getting smelly and putrefaction. Then you wash separation called sanctification. Then you have the rights to enter into the holy place with them. It's called emancipation. You guys getting all that? Going through the door. When you come in, you begin to fellowship him, and you find justification to eat the bread 
and to participate in the light of the revelation. Hello? And then right here is propitiation, where God, through incense, sweet-smelling incense, and there are X number of, of uh, uh, spices which you cannot imitate, you can't go behind the veil without first having this done. Nothing in here can involve a knife or a weapon. No weapon allowed in here. No weapon. Amazing. All the weapons are out here. And when they come here, that smell go before us in the presence, and so we are received in here. Now, once a year, the high priest go behind that veil. Only one time. And all that meant was that Jesus Christ would come only one time to die. And he will not do it a second time. That's why the world to come is very fussy. Who's in the church? Who's going to make it? And once they get in here, they have glorification. So the Christian experienced mortification, sanctification, amen, emancipation, justification, propitiation, and glorification, which Moses' law could not do, but it comes through Jesus. That's what makes you kings and priests to God. You've been processed. This easy believism that the world is trying to teach is false. It's just not going to happen. They're missing the point. All right? So over here, take one more look at this situation here. This great high priest, God, we come to God through Christ, and he brings, the high priest brings to me and you reconciliation back to God, propitiation, the price paid, emancipation, you're free, sanctification, you're separated from the world, you're glorified, you're justified, and you're mortified. You're cut off from the world. If that don't mean much to you, man, I'm sorry, I can't help you. But that's what it means, my friend. That's what Christianity means. It's more than us singing a song and me shouting a message to you. Amen. There's a whole lot going on in the spirit world. Your body is only a temple, a tabernacle. In fact, it's a coverall. I'm going to shock you. There's a new man inside of you. And you're not schizophrenic either or, <laughs> or manic. You're one person. But in you, there's that spiritual body. As long as you're at home in this body, you're absent from the Lord. Now, the reason why God sent you to evangelize the world is because you're doing the job of the priesthood. When you witness to somebody and you're praying with them, and you're trying to win them to God, you're acting as a priest. You're having compassion on their problems, on their infirmities, on their hurt and their hardship. And so you, you bring them to God. You are the body of Christ. You are the priest, but he's the high priest. Today, Jesus in heaven is high priest. On earth, when he was here, he was a prophet greater than Moses. Can you say amen? Now, the same tabernacle plan, look at it. At the entrance, we get membership between repentance and baptism in the altars, right? The labor, where we are members of his body. When you continue to live for God, then you go into 
the holy place, and you find that you have fellowship with God. You fellowship in the light as he is in the light. He is the bread of life, and you fellowship that bread. In communion, that's what you have. This coming uh, year end, we have communion. That's what we're doing right here. We're communing in fellowship, and finally, we have relationship with God. I mean, understand that. All right? So, we look at the program here. I call it the exchange program. I give him my filthy rags, and he gives me his holy garment. Put on ye the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? All right? So, when I look at this here, I look back at the both Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. They had the Passover, which Christ fulfilled the last night he was on earth. He did fulfill it. Then what did he do after that? He said, I'm going to give you a new commandment, which is communion and union with the bread and wine. He said, this bread represents my body and this wine my blood. As often as you do it, you show forth my future coming. So that is telling us in New Year's, when we do this, we're saying it's coming. That's what that means. Now, we know churches do it every day, every year, and they're being sacrilegious. That's all they are. They're hurting the cause. We do it because every time we do it, we want it to have meaning and purpose. And we do it because we're the body of Christ and communion with Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul warned you about how you do it. And if you do it, you know, unworthily, you could lose your soul. So we're looking back at Jesus, what he did. In the Old Testament, they look forward to the coming. So here is the Aaronic priesthood. And here's the Melchizedek priesthood. Right? Hebrews 7. Talk about it. So there we see the difference. Now, because of Jesus... You are a kingdom of priests. What does a priest do? What do we do? So, we are fulfilling the feast of the Lord. Church life is feasting. Who eat more than Pentecostals? They call Jesus a, a wine bib and a glutton. I don't drink wine, but I'm sure I'm a glutton. <laughs> His souls, and the metatonomy, anatomy, rather. <laughs> but look at this. The Passover. The Passover is Old Testament, right? But Christ is called our what? What's Christ called? What is Christ called? Our Passover. Pentecost. This is very important. I want to point this out to you. Leviticus 23 I want you to find your Bible without me helping you. Leviticus 23, go there. And find the only time and the only time 11 can be offered in the sacrifice to God. Turn there, please, and look. Leviticus 23. It's in Pentecost. 
Only in Pentecost they could offer leaven. A new wave loaf. People can come to this altar, listen now, they're living in sin, you name it, the works of the flesh, they mean, oh, you know how bad they are, and what they're doing is immoral and so on, and yet God gives them the Holy Ghost. Why does he do that? Because he said, I'll pour my spirit on all, all flesh, which never happened in the Old Testament. You do that, and you're a dead man. Only the anointing could go on Aaron, a prophet, or a king. Nobody else. But here, you could be a ragtag, and God anoint you <laughs> with the Holy Ghost, hoping that you'll come through the gate. He gave it to you in credit. What verse is that? You folks don't find it? I won't tell you where it is. You look it up. In Pentecost. All right? A new loaf. Two loaves. Meaning Jews and Gentiles are in sin. And they come and God waved it with a lamb. Who's that lamb? Jesus. Now, all this is history. We are waiting for this to be fulfilled. The Feast of Tabernacle. Where Christians are going to wave palm leaves where? In heaven. How many ever wave a palm leaf before? How many ever ridden a white stallion before? You Gentiles are underprivileged. My Lord. Who have? You have? We're Saskatchewan? <laughs> it makes sense as Saskatchewan. <laughs> it's flat. <laughs> All right. Look at this here. <coughs> here are the major types of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to say you don't want to go through the world and life without Jesus Christ as your high priest. Now, I know you, I know you don't pray this way. Oh, high priest Jesus, I'm sick. Oh, high priest Jesus, I made a mistake. Oh, high priest Jesus. But here's why you need to get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is your high priest. He make intercession for you. When you're talking in tongues, one of two things are happening. Either he's telling on you or he's praying for you. I'm not sure which one's going on. Maybe both. But he's praying the will of God for your life. You may say, God, I want that Mercedes Benz. I said, no, get a Volkswagen. I keep on praying for a mercy to be in and over, so I'll take over. Give him a Volkswagen. Give him a Volkswagen. Give him a Volkswagen. And tomorrow, what do you get? A Volkswagen. <laughs> That's the will of God. You prayed for the will of God. And so look at this. Jesus is represented by this. some of the major types. There's an offering, a scapegoat, a brazen serpent, uh, two doves, the bread, the atonement, money, the candlestick, the handle, the animal blood, the incense, the roasted meal, the priesthood, the veil, ironic rod that budded, the door, the gate, the priesthood, the colors, and so on. Each of these represent different attributes of Christ. And you have need of these. Can you believe that? The complexity of Christ's plan to save us. Here we are. We walk through that door. A preacher preached to you, you got faith, you by hearing the word of God. You believe, 
And next thing you know, you're talking in tongues. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. And the angel says, just a minute, what's going on here? And the Jew says, no way. We have to obey 700 plus laws. And you just walk in at church five minutes. And you got the Holy Ghost. And you're a son of God. And you're in the priesthood. And you're behind the veil. I don't accept that. And they reject it. That's farce. But Paul says, after the man of some called heresies, so worship I the God of my father. Now, the offering represents the burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, sin offering, Christmas offering, five of them, the first five chapters. Each of those, you need them. You have them need right now in your life. He said, Pastor, which one do you need? All of them. Which one do you guys need? None of them. Are you amens? The scapegoat. That means they're the goat, two goats. One they put their sins on and let them out in the wilderness and they die out there. And next one they slay. Meaning Christ would take away our sins after he was slain. Also the brazen serpent on that rod on the hospital signature of the doctor. You see a serpent on a thing? It came from Moses. That means when you're sick, you turn to that rod. And Jesus Christ says, you're going to be healed. Now, I love this story here. I learned it from preaching that when a serpent bites you, the blood of the lamb reversed that bite. That's amazing. Look it up. I had to look it up myself. And they still use it as an antidote. The blood of the lamb reverses the bite of the serpent. And the more the serpent bites you, the less effect it has on you because the blood keeps stopping it. All right? The two doves, one killed over running water and one let go in the air with dipped in blood, represent Jesus Christ dying and flying away with our sins to heaven. The bread is body, is humanity. The atonement, money, mean the price you were paid for. God purchased you with his own blood. The candlestick, he is the source of light of this world. And then the animal blood, redemption, in 10th chapter, turn there please very quickly, of Hebrews, we're told that nobody's sins could be, listen up, remitted by Arionic priesthood blood. Any Bible you buy and it says, Acts 2.3 says, for the forgiveness of sin, that Bible is lying to you. Jesus' blood is for the remission of sins. That man's name and his blood goes together, right? It says in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 1 to 5, that your sins were being reminded every year until Christ came and offered his body and his blood once and for all. So nobody can bring a pass up to you. They may try, but they're wasting their time because God does not listen to them. All right? Incense represented Christ praying in the garden of Gethsemane for us. Because animal, I mean, Adam lost us in the garden and Christ regained us back there. The roasted meal, talk about the suffering of Christ. Isaiah 53 explains so clearly. The priesthood dress code, the colors, the royal colors, the, the, the purple, the blue, and the red, they all represent the blood, the heavenly, and the purity and the white 
the, the sanctification of Jesus Christ. The veil represents his flesh. The division between humanity and divinity was his flesh. The God-man. All right? The rod that budded, it means that all the seven major religions, all the twelve, I mean the twelve major religions in the world, when the time come, only one gonna bud. Jesus Christ. Amen. Then we have here the door. Christ said, I'm the door. It can't get through inside of me because the Father was in the Son. The Bible said he can't get through to the Father except by me. Same with the gate. This is the axis. The priesthood colors represent his uh, divine order. It's very important you notice this tonight. Look. Jesus had a, a breastplate on with 12 names on there. 12 pearls. Like in Revelation 21, 22, somewhere there in the city, the 12 tribe of Israel. And then on his shoulder, two onyx stone. When Jesus Christ went to heaven, you don't realize this, Israel was a type of us. Israel is called the church in the wilderness, but you are the church in this present world. And Pharaoh today is the Antichrist system, and Jesus Christ is our Moses. But he's better than Moses. Now, when Jesus goes to heaven, which he did, and went in the presence of God, he took your name and my name. It's always on his heart. Jesus Christ always have your situation at heart. Nobody else may care about you. Nobody else may think about your problem and your crisis, but before you even pray, it's on his heart 24 sevens, three, six to five days of the year. And then on his shoulder is the, are your names. So he's carrying your burden. He's carrying your load. Sometimes saints act like they're carrying their own load, and it's not true. He's the one. He says, I'm taking you. I'm carrying you. I'm carrying your load on my shoulder. And I got your interest on my heart. And then inside that pouch is the urim and the thumbing, which give the light and the perfection, the revelation of God's will for your life. So when you go to God through Jesus, say, God, what should I do? The urine and the thumbing lights up and give you an answer. Now, you may not like what God say, but God give you an answer anyway. So at no time is a Christian powerless. You know, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm right here now, I'm standing right here, and somewhere, somebody may be praying for me, praying for you. You step on the airplane and God was on the plane before you got there. On the job. Amen. I never feared those bosses. Never wanted the time to fear them. Because they're in charge. They didn't give me nothing. God gave me everything I got. They were just a gatekeeper of what God has for me. God used them to bless me. And God also sometimes used them to teach me. <laughs> and so I learned that in all things, give thanks. For it's the will of God in Christ Jesus, who is in charge of my life. But I'm, I'm not comfortless. I'm not without Jesus. What does the word comfort mean? God said, I'm not going to let you go through this by yourself. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. I like this. God, I've been problems. You can say, I've been there done that. Lord, I'm mad. I'm angry because of what they're doing. 
understand. I felt that. But I didn't do that. <laughs> Hello? Guys, if you know your God, you're going to be strong. My God is my priest, my high priest. And I know when I go to him, I don't have to be afraid. I can come boldly. I said, Jesus, I'm hurting. I pray this way. Lord, I'm hurting. Oh, God, the pain is too much. Oh, God. You don't say, shut up. You wimp. Put up or shut up. Doesn't say that. Five minutes later, the pain is gone. At least for a while. Hello? Hello? You folks don't believe that? Get to know your high priest. He's over the house of God. Now, this here, this is beautiful. Trinitarians don't understand this. Jesus Christ is one God. Philippians 2 talk about him. He was in the form of God and the fashion of a man. Just for the sake of graphic presentation, I did this. Here's God. Here's man. The two can't meet. Somebody called me on the phone and said, well, you know, I want, I want to see a mediator. I said, well, is the next guy going to come? No. Well, it can't, you can't mediation. If God's not going to show up, no use you coming. Or vice versa. Both have to be there. Now, a judge does not need both to be there. Whether you're there or not, you're going to judge regardless. You're going to make a decision to suit himself. Is that right? Amen. Let me show you the difference here. This is free advertisement. Everybody say free advertisement. It won't cost you a dime. Here's a judge. Right? Here is client. A, client, B. These two are not going to talk to each other. Right? But they have a lawyer. Right? And they talk this way. Right? And the lawyer talk that way. The judge won't talk to them. I want to talk to this one, and the lawyer, they, they chat back and forth. I'm going to see that. That's what Moses' law system was like. God said, no, I don't want that. I want another color here, please. I'll make one up. <laughs> All right? God said, I don't want that. I want this. And you guys are going to talk. He is neutral. He has to satisfy both sides. He can't take sides. He represents both. Can you see that? And anything happened right here. Let me get some free... Some free lecture here, guys. Don't cost you a dime. You want to fight? Go ahead, fight and destroy each other. Or you want to avoid the problem? Go ahead. Lie to yourself if you want to. 
Or you want to do accommodation? Good, good. Accommodation. Accommodate each other. Fair enough. Or you want to compromise? Go ahead. Compromise. But the best is collaborate. Look what happened here now. Here's my self-interest. I want 100%. I want what I want. I don't care what you say. Out. I'm going to fight you to the last dime. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm too chicken. It's not worth the fight. I ain't going to fight with you. I'll suffer the pain and the woe, and I'll die with psychosomatic problems, you know? This one here, I fight for what I want, and I don't care about relationship as long as I get what I want. This one here says, I'm, <laughs> I'm losing both sides. I'm losing self-interest, and I'm losing relationship here. Look at that here. I'm losing, I'm losing both sides. This one says, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll just sacrifice my needs just to keep the relationship going. I'll sacrifice it. I'll, I'll just give up. Do what you want. Have it your way. I know you're just no good, but I'll just put up with it. <laughs> just to keep things going smooth. But I'm a sacrificial lamb. That person is dangerous. They commit mass murder sometimes. They're deadly and dangerous. Because when they, when they explode, watch out. It's danger. Okay. You know, well, I said, okay, I'm going to compromise here. 50-50. You get half, I get half. So what's the big deal? But the best one is this one here. Collaborate. Satisfy both needs and maintain relationship. Well, which one of the things Jesus Christ does for us? This one. That one. I wonder which one you do in your quarrel, which you're significant. Ooh. Ooh. Anybody feel like you're sick right now? Ooh. You guys are so quiet. What are you guys doing? You're so quiet. You're saying, Pastor, get into my backyard. Stop reading my notes. <laughs> Leave me alone. But look at this, folks. The only God that we will ever know is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the only God I accept. I can't accept Alan, Buddha, and all those guys. The only God I'm going to accept is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is God. The Son of God is God among us. And, uh, and whatever he says is accepted in heaven because he's my high priest. The high priest is qualified to go behind the veil where God is and go outside the veil where God is not. <laughs> Hello? And he satisfied both. He satisfied God's requirement and satisfied my requirement. Oh, the wisdom of God. Praise God. Now, when Jesus went into heaven, right, which Adam didn't do, or Moses, Jesus Christ went into heaven itself, 
and appear in the presence of Almighty God. But Jesus, how many, how many roles do you have? Well, he's a sacrifice. He's the lamb. He's the priest. He's the sinner up. And he's the high priest. Then he's also the judge. It's all in him. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you love Jesus? Oh, I love Jesus. Come on, clap out to God. Don't you love our God? Oh, our God is so awesome. Hallelujah. And he can have compassion on me. Hallelujah. And he goes into heaven and he said, look, man, forgive those people. He said, forgive them. I've made a sacrifice. Will you accept it? Once and for all. And it's the first time in the history of any tabernacle that anybody ever sat down. And guess where he sat, folks? On the mercy seat. That's the only seat there is in the tabernacle. And Aaron couldn't sit there. Aaron had to walk around with a bell and a promenade on his, on his coat. Hello? When he goes in the holy place, you know why? Let you know he's alive. Because he may drop that in there. <laughs> and you get bell out. Ding, 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 ding. Ain't no hope God's alive in this church. People are talking in tongues. Ding, 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 ding. You know, God is in us. We got the fruit of the Spirit. Ooh. Hello. Sister so and so loves Sister so and so. They were used to. They used to be dog and cats, but now they're friends. The holly cats are gone. Hello. Amen. The porcupine and the quilts are down. They love each other. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is in the church. Hello. Hello. I want you to look right on the person you hate the most and said, you're lucky. <laughs> I saw what you did. I'm watching your eyes. I saw where you guys look, you devils. <laughs> All right. Look at this here. So Jesus Christ, go there, sat down once and for all. And I can say, I don't need a lamb. I don't need a ram. I don't need a goat. I got Jesus. I'm pointing to him. Unto him that loved us and washed us in his own blood and make us kings and priests forever, forever, forever. He did it all. Hello. So, before I close. He's got grace and mercy and peace. Turn to the epistles, every epistle in your Bible. Turn to Corinthians, Romans, any one of them you want to look at. And you'll all see these three words. Grace, mercy, peace. That's to remind you the high priest is in operation here. Oh, Lord. I feel like stopping before I tell you everything I know. Let's stand. Grace, mercy, peace. I don't know about you. I must confess. I'm so glad I got sick sometime and get pain in my body because 25. 50, no, 70 years ago, I would have said 70 years ago, I'd have been in hell and didn't know I was going there. 
and of all that pain that could get no satisfaction for those pains. But Jesus Christ said, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more any of those things, because I have paid the price. Look at this here. They're cities of refuge. Anybody in this church that going through their problems alone, you need a revelation of this tonight, you don't have to. You have a companion that can be touched by your feelings and by infirmity. You know, some people in church just can't fall in love with Jesus. They're so stoic. I can't just imagine, imagine you in your, in your wedding, in your marriage. Kiss the bride. When last you kissed your wife? I dare you do it. Well, we got two devils right here. <laughs> and the rest could have tried. <laughs> but you know, the Bible says, kiss the son, lest he what? Become angry. Hello. God gave you and me cities of refuge. I need all three of them, all six of them. Because you know what? It's built for people who make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, then you don't need those cities of refuge. And there's some people that condemn themselves forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. God said, what are you doing? God don't throw you out in the bathwater because you messed yourself up. He washes you. He sanctifies you. Come on, beloved. <laughs> then he justifies you. I like this part. He said, who will lay this charge to your effect? He said, I will condemn them. Night and day, Satan brings accusation against a nice guy like me. Ruby, can you believe it? A nice guy like you? They're trying to accuse you? And guess what? Your wife is agreeing with him. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> I'm just testing your spirit. <laughs> but God said, not in day. Satan is coming at us. And God said, get out of here. I paid for the price. <laughs> I paid the price. I'm the mediator. And I don't see nothing wrong with them. Let's worship God. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the, firm, with the infirmities. We have a high priest that went ahead of me. God said, I'm ahead of you in all your problems, in all your trials. You know, we got hope, church. You know, we got hope. You know, we got a future. You know, we got somebody that cares for us. Amen? There's a great, big, high priest in heaven in heaven and John says he made us kings and priests hallelujah and we shall reign with him let me show you we're going to reign church that new Jerusalem now I'm asking God which position are you going to give me Jesus should I choose to be a king or should I be a priest? Well, if I'm a 
If I'm a king, well, you know, going to be different from a priest. Which one do you want to be? Anybody want to make a suggestion right now? What do you want to be, a priest or a king? What do you want to be? Or none of the above. What do you want to be? I want to be both. But look at this, folks. Look where you're going. Revelation 20, uh, 21. We can't read it all. It's impossible. Too long. Every one of those stones that you read were on the priesthood garments. Anybody ever sit on a throne before? Can you imagine sitting down with Jesus? This is not a make-believe. This is the truth. He says, and the lamb and the bride say, come. Lord Jesus, tonight, for we have not a high priest 